Hey everybody, Joe here from the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. If you enjoy what we do here on the show and you think it's worth your hard-earned money, you can support the show via Patreon. Just a $1 donation gets you access to bonus episodes, our Discord, and regular episodes before everybody else. If you donate at an elevated level, you get even more bonus content. A digital copy of my book, The Hooligans of Kandahar, and a sticker from our Teespring store. Our show will always be ad-free and is totally supporter-driven. We use that money to pay our bills, buy research materials that make this show possible, and support charities like the Kurdish Red Crescent, the Flint Water Fund, and the Halo Trust. Consider joining the Legion of the Old Crow today. And now back to the show. And welcome to the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. I'm Joe, and with me, as always, is Liam. Yay, Liam. What's up, buddy? Hey, Liam. Hey, Joe. Uh, good morning to you. Uh, Don't remind me. Uh, sorry, buddy. Uh, if it makes you feel better. I So, obviously, we, re- we record on Tuesday, as we know this. Um, and it's I would have remembered. I'll have you know. Shut the fuck up, Joe. And, uh, <laughs> and at 9.22 p.m., I looked at my phone. I looked at Corinne. We were like in bed. I was watching the Phillies game. I was like, I have to fucking record tonight. She's like, no, you don't. I was like, yeah, I, I do. It's Tuesday. She's just like, what the fuck? Like, t- tell him you're dead. And I was like, I can't, do that. <laughs> I can't do that. I have to record. That's how I feel every night when I'm like uh, on Tuesday night when I'm laying down, I'm setting my alarm for 530. I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> I don't want to fucking be here. <laughs> Thankfully, I'm one of those people that, like, when I wake up, uh, if I get out of bed, I wake up pretty quickly. Like, I'm not a snoozer. Like, I don't hit the snooze button. Um, but I'm not like, a snoozer either. I, you know, what's funny. Um, I, I wake up most days. I would say around seven. Uh, I don't start work till eight. But I've, I've, uh, given myself like I try to give myself like twenty, thirty minutes because I was younger. I would wait until literally the last possible second. Right, to get up for work and then i'm just yes. like rushing the whole time uh now i sort of wake up like a little i would say i wake up a little more slowly but i wake up almost more fully hmm. interesting And by the time i start working at 8 a.m like i'm ready to start work i don't feel like i've like you know just like opened my eyes and now i have to be fully functional and i also start work before any of my colleagues so uh it's nice to like be totally undisturbed and then i get uh a and I am at nine thirty. That's just like, hey, so everything's on fire. Can we have some help, please? I'm. Uh, I think most people listening can probably um, empathize with. I used to be the exact same way. Like um, when I set my alarm, especially when I was in the military, and even when I got out, because it takes it takes like years to get over these dumb ticks that you learn. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I can sleep until like let's say like six thirty four. Uh, oh, oh! I woke up in time, so now I can bump that back to six thirty-six. Yeah, <laughs> like I don't think that extra six minutes is really, really making my whole day worth it. No, it's, yeah. it's not like I feel better. Yeah, I mean, once you get rid of that extra six minutes, I'm just gonna fucking go to hell, man. I I can't survive. Speaking of not surviving, uh, <laughs> uh, we're talking we're talking island hopping again today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're so we. Uh, Surprise. Uh, Joe and I, uh, both being dweebs, grew up on Battlefield 1942. So today we're going to talk about the battle that apparently happened in real life from the demo CD of the video game Battlefield 1942, 
the Battle of Wake Island. Specifically, we're talking about just the video game map. Um, yes. Oh, I used to be the biggest piece of shit with the planes, dude. You used to crash them into people? Yep. I did yep, that, that too. That yeah. should track for, for you at home. Oh, yeah. I, I still do that. Um, it's, it's great. I think the thing that I used to do that pissed people off the most was, I think it was Battlefield 2. Where uh, you could attach C four to the to vehicles yep. and then drive them into tanks. That was yep. a lot of fun. I got banned from a lot of servers for that. It's a totally legitimate way to kill somebody. Yeah, I was just preempting ISIS. Is all. Uh, <laughs> Jesus, Joe. Uh, now, Liam. Before we get to Wake Island, this might come as no surprise to you today. Uh, actually, before we get started, that I'm kind of we've talked about a few island-based uh, campaigns now. I'm gonna I'm kind of be kind of curious where this falls in on the tier list of like how awful this is. Um, I don't think it ranks that high. Uh, Wasn't and, Wake Island manned basically by mostly civilians? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, who I assume are going to get their shit rolled by the Japanese Navy. It does not go great. Um, yeah. To be fair, it doesn't go great for the Japanese either. Good, good. We all we all sucked out here. It's, it's like that uh, that battle we covered where was it the uh, the Greeks had resorted to simply biting and diving the Italians. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I have rabies, that guy's gonna get rabies too. Sometimes you just gotta literally tear the throat out of a Nazi to get, make the rest of them stop showing up. Now, Liam, uh, this might come as a bit of a surprise to you. Uh, not really. When I say that. By the attack on the American Pacific Fleet at uh, Pearl Harbor, World War II is not going too great if you were not the Nazis or the Japanese. Um, I will have a little caveat to this. Like, it was still going badly for the Italians because Italy, um, they're not yeah, great at war. Not so good at war. <laughs> Even when they're on like the temporarily winning side, they kind of lose the whole time. I, 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 I do laugh that we could basically always go back to the Italians are bad at war uh, minds, like whatever we have to. They got it all out of their system when they were Rome. It's been all downhill since. It's, dude, I just I love the idea of just every time you show up, just getting your absolute fucking teeth kicked in by just whoever happens to be resisting you at the moment. Imagine like you're like fighting the Axis, and you're like, "Oh God, they're sending another army!" Like, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's, oh, it's the Italians. It's the Italians. It's fine. Oh, it's thank fine. God, we're it's good. Fine. We're good, folks. It's fine. Uh, you guys, honestly, you guys can go home if you want. <laughs> it's like when the so- when the Soviets are about to break through German lines at like Stalingrad. Like, oh, thank God, it's the Bulgarians or whoever it was. <laughs> <laughs> like, not so good at wars. Yeah, not 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 famed for their uh, war fighting prowess are the Bulgarians. Uh, they did all right in the early 1900s. Uh, respect or respects to, but by oh, the 1940s, this is a lot of time has passed. Uh, <laughs> but you know, for the Americans, this is when World War II starts, um, and we've kind of addressed that idea before. But for a long time, uh, the war would actually not be going great for the Americans. Like after Pearl Harbor, America was quickly hit with a quite a, quite a few L's. Um, you know because. They weren't exactly super prepared, uh, and it's hard to be prepared correctly when your fleet is vaporized, right? Like, mm-hmm. you only can build another one so fast, which is, you know, eventually what the U.S. did. They just hit the fleet go burr button and then spit out, another, uh, like, a 18 fucking uh, navies worth of ships pretty quickly. They'll all crack in half until we fix that. Yeah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Don't worry uh, about it. <laughs> <laughs> the contractor <Stop> <laughs> said he'd build ships, not good ships. Um, 
Now, in the middle of all of this, you know, giant war machines spanning the world with fleets, planes, bombs. Let's say you happen to be a U.S. Marine. Uh, uh, condolences if you are. Um, and you happen to be stationed at a tiny little speck of rock in the middle of the Pacific Ocean called Wake Island as the Japanese military rolled towards you. No thanks is how I feel about this. <laughs> it, like, it's hard to describe how in the middle of fucking nowhere Wake Island is. Um, I, I, I'm breaking my rule just to bring up Google Maps. I promise I'm not doing anything nefarious. <laughs> um, so, Freehentai.net. Yes, okay. I read. Oh, wow. It really is. Wow. So like Wake Island. I just have to keep scrolling out. <laughs> yeah, it measures only four miles across. Uh, it's a tiny coral atoll in the middle of nowhere. It is 1,500 miles Dude. east of Guam, 2,200 miles west of Honolulu, Hawaii, and 1,900 miles southeast of Tokyo. And the closest, uh, uh, like, I guess, large inhabited island is Majuro, which is the capital of the Marshall Islands, which is almost a thousand miles away. The nearest inhabited island is 600 miles away. It is in the middle of nowhere. Dude, holy shit. It might be I, in the most middle of nowhere as you could possibly be. <laughs> uh, Point Nemo is what that's called. In case you're ever curious. Is that what the point of middle of nowhere yeah, is? Yeah, a pole of inaccessibility. Why is it Nemo? What did the fish do to deserve this? Is it is that what it's called? Or am I making that up and that's actually zero, zero longitude latitude? Point Nemo is officially known as the Oceanic Pole of Inaccessibility. Yep, I was right. Look it up on your own time, kids. Yeah. Um, now, un well, this isn't that uncommon, but in, for the sake of imperialism, Wake Island is worthless. Um, the highest point is 20 feet above sea level. N almost nothing grows there outside of uh, some scrub brush that nobody yeah. ever bothered uh, to like rip up. Nobody has moved there ever. Um, like now, during the you know thousands of uh, hundreds and thousands of years of Pacific Island migration, it was used even as uh, by uh, by migrating Pacific Islanders as something as a stopping point because there's not even a source of fresh water on the island. Um, like I think we've pointed this out before, but in the Pacific, if nobody's ever attempted to inhabit an island, there's a good fucking reason for that. Sorry, I, I'm looking at the Google photos of this place, which is just like a pickup truck, a building that says Wake Island Air, Airfield, and nothing else. It's pretty much it. Yeah, it's like I said, there, it is four whole miles. This is just a whole lot of fucking nothing. And uh, the island itself is 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 just like coral. Um, it's right. like coral covered with a very thin layer of dirt and rocks. Uh, <laughs> like It must suck to live there. Um, now, the best anybody can discover is that it used to be, like I said, something of a stopping point during long journeys, long journeys by local Polynesians. Uh, and the evidence to that is that there's rats on the island um, because they probably hitched a ride. Sure. Well, credit where credit's due, I suppose. And they, they were already there when white people found the island. So, like, sure. they had to have gotten there before we fucked it up. Right. <laughs> yeah, we didn't do it. That's that. Yeah. Yeah. Scoreboard or whatever scoreboard for this island where they're uh, this smaller than the right, scoreboard no at, people. Uh, Hell yeah. at Cowboy Stadium. Uh, 
Fuck the at, Cowboys. <laughs> at various points, more white people showed up, looked at it, jotted it down on like a note or whatever, and then left. And this actually included Charles Wilkes of uh, the USXX that we talked about. Uh, the oh, mass snapping voyage. That episode's yeah. out now, right? Or is it only for yeah, yeah, yeah. Go listen to that one. It's a it's a real fun episode about uh, a, a sociopath that uh, goes on spring break gone real wrong is how I would describe it. U.S. Navy Rumspringer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, this was. After a while, this is all anybody did with Wake. It was after this mostly a place where ships accidentally crashed into. Oh, sure. Now, the Spanish-American War eventually happened. Uh, go listen to our series about it. Uh, American Empire began rapidly expanding through the Pacific. Whoops. Uh, first stop was Guam Sorry. in the Philippines, of course, uh, which became American possessions after the war. And then Hawaii was annexed after very Sorry. briefly being the Republic of Hawaii after a group of pro-American white plantation owners uh, took it over. Though, small addendum here. Those guys sucked so bad the U.S. didn't want to annex them at first. Mm -hmm. But that changed quite rapidly. (laughs) Um, Now, after that, the U.S. looked around and say, said, you know, what is that chunk of useless rock over there? That looks like a good place for honkies. (laughs) We could build a beat like there. <laughs> you like that? <laughs> Three dollar fights. Um, Three dollar rats. Three dollar rat wings. It was a, it was a, a hunk of rock about halfway between Honolulu and Manila, and it was decided this might make a decent spot for a telegraph relay station and coaling stations for passing ships, with the little added benefit of they wouldn't ha- have to kill anybody to take this one over, like. They could just congratulations. Yeah. Well, depending on who you're talking to, that's actually a drawback. Like, oh, we don't get to kill anybody. All right, we're out. So, in 1889, part of the U.S. Army garrison, the Philippines dropped by Wake Island to raise the American flag, and that was pretty much all it took. Uh, the next year, President William congratulations, Stoss. Official. <laughs> congratulations, Stoss. <laughs> Um, now, at, at this point, it was discovered that Wake Island actually made for a terrible telegraph relay station. Uh, really? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It made a lot more sense to put it at Midway, which was also under the control of the United States. But uh, nobody was going to unannex the territory. So they kind of did nothing with it for a very long time. Um, they did so much nothing with it that Wake Island wasn't even added to publicly available maps or globe. And this isn't like a top secret thing that people want to delete from like, if it's kind of like if you try to Google Maps some shit, it gets blurred out. Uh, it was considered so insignificant, it didn't even need to be on a map, because why? Why would you need to know about it? Now, this slowly began to change with the advent of commercial uh, flight uh, and Pan Am. Uh, they, wanted, they wanted to build air, uh, airstrips at Wake and Midway in order to create a commercial flight route from the United States to China, and they would use these islands as stopping points to refuel, because their planes back then were fucking terrible, and they had enough fuel for like 30 minutes at a time or whatever. thinking of the idea of like, Get out and stretch your legs, but don't go too far because there are fucking sharks there. I I would be terrified of like man, back then commercial air flight was like uh, commercial flight was so Sucking unsafe. Dick, yeah, yeah. Everything, every plane sounded like you're breaking through the like the atmosphere of the earth, and now they're trying to land on these tiny little airstrips and get fuel. Like, yeah, this is this is how you end up as a survival story. 
Now, this is an interesting part because as the guy who worked for Pan Am uh, found out when he approached the U.S. government um, that no administration within the U.S. government had actually been given Wake Island to administer because the government just didn't care. Right. Now, the really the only thing that made the U.S. finally pay attention to the goddamn thing was the expanding power of the Japanese Empire post-World War One because they were given the South Seas Mandate that gave Japan a lot of the former uh, German colonial territories of the Pacific, which, of course, added right into the expanding empire, uh, American Empire in the same region, then Wake Island being the most out-in-the-middle-fucking-nowhere outpost that they had. By the 1930s, the Japanese Empire expanded even further, and with the Second Sino-Japanese War, Empire only we can do that to our empire. That's right. Uh, and with the with the Second Sino-Japanese War, uh, it, it was they were kind of burning down half the fucking world. Uh, so FDR transferred authority of Wake Island over the Department of the Navy, and this is when the first complete survey of the island was finally done. Oh, congratulations, um, I, boys! I assume it took about ten minutes. Like, yep. There's nothing, all right? We did it. <laughs> do you guys like shrub brush? <laughs> do, do you guys like little shitty plants and uh, uh, these big, these tiny Polynesian rats? Uh, like, no? Oh, oh okay. No, no, okay. Well, I'm going to go back to the hut. And <laughs> I'm going to go back and uh, get the fuck off this island. Um, there's no B-dubs here. I thought we had a deal. Um, there's a Pan Am was contracted out to build an airbase. Uh, uh, which uh, was technically a civilian airport, but this was uh, kind of a weird. You know, how I said before that there was no plan to keep Wake Wake Island a secret. Now there was. Uh, they wanted to hide that it was being militarized from the Japanese, so they had a civilian contractor build the airport, which was uncommon back then. And in order to cleverly disguise all of this, the Navy declared Wake Island a bird sanctuary. <laughs> I I will say there are things, you know, like obviously empire's awful, nation states were a bad idea, shadow propaganda. But it does it does always make you laugh when when like the military or the navy just the navy specifically, I feel like a lot of the time it's just like we're gonna call it a bird sanctuary. What are they gonna do? Like that's gonna fucking stop the Imperial Japanese Navy and just be like, oh I can't go there, birds. Birds and rats ain't doing it. <laughs> ain't for it. Turn this fucking boat around. <laughs> Sorry, fellas. We're coming back from this place called Man King. Did you say that birds live there? Oh, give it a wide berth. <laughs> like, we can't fuck with birds. Those aren't three-year-olds. We can't just butcher them in the streets. I would like to think that this was like a plan thought of at like 5.30 p.m. on a Friday because everybody yeah. just really wants to go home. Bang together, ship it. <laughs> Like, uh, how how do we keep this from the Japanese? It's like that scene where everybody, that, that cartoon where everybody's around the table. Like, how can we fix someone's like bird sanctuary? And you get to throw it out the window. Now, finally, when it became kind of inevitable that the U.S. and Japan were going to start killing one another at some point, FDR ordered. FDR knew. F- That's <laughs> no, a joke. No, it's a joke. That's a joke. That's a joke. Here come the emails of, of of people saying like Joe, you should probably fire Liam because he's a uh, he's a he's a Pearl Harbor truther. He's not. He has his criticisms of Roosevelt, but don't worry, that's not one of them. Can't think of a single bad thing he did. Skimming right past the concentration camp. Yeah, what's uh? The Jews were begging him to nuke the train tracks. Why didn't they bomb the train tracks, Joe? Oh, good news. Uh, that will come up on a future series that we're doing. Um, oh, good. My, yeah. my mother. My mother wants to know why we haven't covered that. So. Oh, uh, it's it's because I'm being paid by uh, 
the Institute for Historical Review out of California. <laughs> ah, yes. Someone is Googling that right now, getting increasingly disgusted by that joke. Now, um, at this point, FDR ordered these small Pacific outposts to be defended. And in January 1941, the first military garrison was sent there, numbering a whopping 449 Marines and 69 God, sailors. So much ass. <laughs> yeah. And there's also a whole six guys from the army as a radio operating detachment, which I'm assuming the radio did not work great that far no, out of there. Did, did. I can tell you right now, it did. They, they just spent all day and all night doing the elephant walk. <laughs> and, you know, uh, which thousands. Is fine, which is fine. Thousands and thousands of civilian contractors are dumped onto the island as well to speed up the the building process of a military airstrip as well as, you know, eventually maybe a real military base. So they if you if you pay attention to the date, you know that they're not, they're not gonna get that far. Things are going poorly. So few actual fighting men were sent to the island and they didn't have like they, they were sent all sorts of heavy weaponry like coastal defense, machine guns, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But they didn't have enough men to actually man all of those weapons uh also the military didn't actually send enough rifles there are several marines oh, who good. did not have rifles oh, which is kind of funny. yeah yeah the enemy at the gates uh strategy honestly it kind of rules because the joke is like oh, it's, it's like how they the the marine marketing of like every marine is a rifle and it's like well accept you yeah. uh, <laughs> you are the best crayon eater i ever did see who's a good crayon eater who's a good crayon eater <laughs> so yeah sorry I'm sorry. Also, the marine, I'm sorry. Uh, the uh, uh, there's also an air wing. Obviously, they're building uh, the airstrip. Uh, it was still outfitted with biplanes. Uh, yeah, the air wing is just going to be some guys. Yeah, like they were still <laughs> waiting for their delivery of F four Wildcats. Uh, so, like the aviators were just flying these shitty little biplanes around. Why? I I gotta actually ask the question. Why have why fucking send planes in the first place? The operational range has got to be pointless right what's the uh, well, operational range of a of a world war of an interwar biplane oh and it's not great i, th- I think it was for so pilots could fly like his pilots need a lot of time behind oh, the okay. sticks okay yeah. okay yeah okay that makes more sense yeah um like the plan was always to get them wildcats but as you can imagine from the distances we talked about it's gonna Getting take them there time. yeah sure yeah uh, now, while people in D.C. were all aw- mostly aware of the idea of a coming war, like of course they know about the attack on Pearl Harbor, or did they? No, they didn't. They didn't. <laughs> Japanese bombs don't melt steel aircraft carriers, goddammit. Uh, oh, Jesus. You know what, man? I like how I'm you getting have early morning, early morning podcast delirium. I have late night podcast delirium. No, but nobody knew how the war was going to start. We kind of assumed it was going to be like an invasion of the Philippines or something like that. But uh, for the Marine station on the island, there wasn't really anything to do. Like nobody, Jacket. nobody. Yeah, I mean, they're setting all time records of that, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, men sat around doing nothing, living in shitty tents, uh, though they did note that they watched the, uh, the, the civilians do most of the work at the time. <laughs> yeah, which like, Good, okay, <laughs> that sounds kind of rad. Um they did bitch and complain because civilian contractors lived in actual houses that they built themselves because they were contractors. And while they were stuck in shitty tents and ate, uh, like the contractors are eating good too, because their own company, the contractor sent their food over while the U.S. military was in charge of sending the Marines food, which according to one Marine was mostly potatoes. <laughs> yeah. What else would it have been? <laughs> oh, hope motherfuckers like potatoes and rats. Yeah. Duh. Obviously. 
I mean, you sear you sear some rat flesh, put some uh, potatoes in that pan. That's you passable. are not eating. You are not eating good in the neighborhood. You are barely <laughs> eating in the neighborhood. Some marine writing a letter home to his mother, like dear dearest mother. I was told there would be a buffalo wild wings. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> FDR lied to me. Uh, now, Admiral Husband E. Kimmel, owner of a, the dumbass fucking name. name. What a fucking name. Uh, the Pacific Fleet Commander pretty much knew for certain that Wake Island would be one of the first things attacked in the event of a war with Japan, mostly due to its geographic position and because it had a military airbase. Um, it would, you know, if the Japanese didn't attack it, it would be a tactical blunder. They'd be able to reach out and hit the Japanese with their hypothetical F four Wildcats at this point um, as they steam through the Pacific. Like they knew that no matter what was going to happen, Japan was going to attack Wake uh, first and foremost. So this is actually Wake formed a defensive linchpin in America's plan. Of course, this plan never happened, which was trap the Japanese off the coast of Wake and then launch the Pacific fleet, which of course based out of Pearl Harbor to smash them. This would work, I guess. Like in a hypothetical situation where the attack on Pearl Harbor did not happen, sure, because then you're talking about something that is strictly imaginary. Why not, um, man? No, why not? As as sometimes we say on the show, just why not? As we are all very aware now that this wouldn't exactly work out because by the time that the Japanese did attack Wake, there was no Pacific fleet anymore. So, <laughs> whoops. He was right that Wake would be one of the would be among the first things attacked when the war started, though he did kind of swing and miss and would be the first thing attacked, which is kind of important. Now, part of his plan was to turn Wake Island effectively into a fortress because it would have to hold up against a pretty significant Japanese attack for his original plan to work. And in order to uh, to do that, he would have to send a capable officer to command this desolate little dot of coral on the map. And this, this is where probably one of the most famous people of this battle shows up. James Patrick Sino Devereux. Yeah, very fancy name for a Marine. Um, now, he was not liked by his own men. He was nicknamed Just Plain Shit. Uh, based on his initials, uh, which I have to say, pretty good. It's a pretty good nickname. Yeah, it was all right. It beats uh, John John Pershing. Yeah. Oh boy. Um, now Devereux is the is, is the kind of officer I have the hardest time speaking well of. So bear with me. On top of the fact he's a Marine, uh, he was incredibly good at his job. There is no doubting that. However. Everyone fucking hated his guts anyway. And I mean his his the 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 Marines under his command. Devereux was well known for being a fucking asshole, but in a good way. Like he was a stickler for details. He didn't like randomly abuse his troops. He was incredibly talented, which is why he was picked for this. And he drove his uh, his, his Marines very, very hard. I'm trying my hardest not to call them soldiers. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm failing. Great. Um, but he, he was a guy that if you were under his command during the time, you'd probably hate his fucking guts. But in retrospect, he'd, he would get your respect, which is kind of what happened. Nobody enjoyed being under his command. For example, when he got to Wake, he looked around and realized that virtually nothing had been done to make uh, what amounted four miles of useless coral into anything resembling a defensible position. So he ordered the Marines to start working pretty much endlessly. 
going from doing almost nothing to working 16 hours a day, digging and building structures for seven days a week. And (laughs) unlike civilian contractors, which were, remember, like 20 feet away because there's nowhere to go on this fucking island, the Marines had no construction equipment. So they had to do all of this with picks and shovels. And remember, they're not digging dirt. They're chipping through coral. They're effectively mining. <laughs> like, they're, like They're digging uh, trenches, uh, fighting positions, gun emplacements. All this shit needs to be built. Jesus, dude. No thanks. Yeah. No thanks. So you can see why they don't like him. Now, Wake was upgraded to a naval air station and uh, naval com- I uh, command. Him, but I'm really mad about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's kind of a dick. Uh, that is the highest praise i can give an officer not named napoleon moving on um i'm gonna become the most insufferable prick on earth whenever we eventually cover uh like the hundred days it's gonna be great it's all gonna be a bit but everybody's gonna think i'm gonna be serious i mean (laughs) he's arguably the greatest military commander in the history of mankind uh, up until uh 1815 or so yeah up until he wasn't yeah i I, you know and Napoleonic, you know, I, I, yeah, actually, I think it would be very funny if we do the hundred days, but it includes a full-throated, full episode of us defending Napoleon. I mean, I kind of already did that once during the <laughs> during the invasion of Russia. <sighs> oh. uh, the other day, I was out at a bar here, and uh, there was uh, a British guy there, and I, as a joke, started insisting that Armenia needed to uh, seat a member of the House of Bonaparte, and yeah. Like anybody who's ever listened to this show or, or met me in person knows that I can look you directly in your eyes and like make a joke and not even crack yep. a smile. Yep. He uh, was not one of the people that could uh, recognize a joke. Who, who likes that? He, he, British, was, no, he thought I was being serious. He thought I was being, he thought he just ran into a bar of a random like Bonapartist in, in, in Europe on Armenia. That's fucking funny, dude. I didn't want to ruin it, so he left. And I mean, if he's li- if if he ever meets anybody that knows who I am, they're like, oh yeah, the Bonapartist. Like, yeah, why yeah, not? yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, it's like that one is is not a rot. Who is it? it's a Habsburg that's just on Twitter a lot. Yeah, he's a huge weeb. <laughs> he talks about Evan Gillian all the time. God damn it! <laughs> the the internet rules sometimes. Now, uh. Wake Island was upgraded uh, to a naval air station and naval commander Winfield Cunningham, the most normal name of this episode, was sent to take overall command from Devereux, though Devereux was still the commander of the Marine Defense Unit. So Devereux normally gets he uh, demoted or was he just replaced by like a superior, basically like a guy who was already going to. Oh, okay, no, I get it. It became necessary to have a a naval commander in charge because it was a naval air station rather than just like. A Some lump dudes? of coral. Yeah. Right, sure, got it. So Major Devereaux is still in charge of the def- the ground defensive unit, while uh, Commander Cunningham is in charge of the air wing and the base as a whole. Uh, like, for, in- for instance, uh, people often say that, like, Devereaux never surrendered, which it wasn't his choice. Like, right. <laughs> like it wasn't up to him. But uh, I feel like that he still technically didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he didn't. It wasn't up to him. Uh, now, Cunningham showed up on November 28th, 1941. And no matter how hard Devereaux had worked, there was only so much he can do in a couple months with such a stretched out with, supply with line. Picks, picks and picks axes. And shovels, yeah. And obviously, Marines doing it. So God knows they're yeah. doing Marine stuff. Very unskilled construction work. Um, <laughs> and I'm not saying this a dog on the Marines. I've seen me have to build stuff when I was in the Army, and it was fucking bad. 
Uh, they don't teach you how to be a construction worker unless you're the job who's the guy whose job is to actually be a construction worker, which I should note, I never met a single one of those guys. So like, you know, they just like, they assume that you can do these things. It's like that, the math is an important part it of construction. Square peg, round hole, join the army, yeah. baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And not to mention like, you know, you need pieces, you need tools, you need concrete, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You need like stuff to build military fortifications and every time they needed something they would have to wait this incredibly long amount of time for the next supply ship uh, how often were the supply ships coming Do we know? not that often that doesn't shock me um so like over with with this super stretched out supply line like you know shelters to protect aircraft from bombs were not built uh which will become very important and Devereaux still only had enough men to command about 24 machine guns, which was the linchpin of any beach-based defense. Uh, things weren't good. Yeah, I think things going poorly here. And for example, they didn't even have enough time to get them a radar um, to you know give them, oh, look, planes or ships or whatever. So they're, they're just they're raw dog in it, is what I'm learning here. Uh, that's the worst way to put that. Yes. I mean, how would you uh, put it? They're wrong. I'm, I'm, no, I'm, I'm fucking, I'm, I'm staying with it. Um, like the way that they, uh, um, had their early warning system was a guy with binoculars. Guy yeah. That's what I was going to say. A guy in, in like, in, not even what you would call, I don't know, just like the shit pirates use basically. I think the pirates would at least have like a tower for him to stand in. Like, so remember the highest point. Of 20 feet above sea level, baby. It's 20 feet above. I, it, when the, the source I used for this, which will be in the show notes, said like they put a man at the highest point. I'm like, it's 20 That's feet. 20 feet. That's, that is lower than the place I'm currently sitting in. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, like the, they, they did eventually have a water tower built uh, because no potable water on the island. So like... Potable? Is it potable? It's potable, bud. Potable. I hate that word. It sounds like yeah. it's potable. <laughs> yeah, joke of syndrome. <laughs> but eventually the guy got to stand in the water tower. <laughs> so like <laughs> things got better. <laughs> the water tower is just 20 water tanks on top of each other, actually. Yeah. Now, eventually 12 F4 Wildcats, which were the air portion of the air station, finally did show up. But when it showed up, it only showed up four days before America would, would enter the war. Oh, come on, dude. <laughs> oh, another, another bad thing here. And just to, just to go to show like how much dudes rock sometimes, when they showed up, remember, none of these pilots had ever flown an F-4 before. Right. They'd been trained in biplanes, uh, which was not uncommon at the time at all. But, you know, planes are different. They have different speeds, uh, different maintenance oh, sure. requirements, you know, whatever. Nobody had sent in uh, instruction or maintenance manuals with the yes. F4. <laughs> big, big, just a big, big crate that says figure it out. Yeah. Big block letters. <laughs> like pilots. Uh, okay, fine. I get that. Maybe. I don't know enough about flying a plane. Uh, but like, imagine if you're the guys put in charge of, of keeping these things running. Like, planes are complex. Even like, <laughs> yeah. Wildcat is, is more complex than I would know what to do with. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm not a pilot. If you're a pilot, write in. Could you fly a different plane, assuming it's not like a fucking Cessna to a 747? Uh, but like, if you're a, a mechanic and you're used to fixing, I don't know, like biplanes from the 20s, and you suddenly get what is effectively a, a modern fighter Basically a bomber. fucking rocket ship, yeah. I mean, yeah, by like, comparison. 
And I should note that both pilots and mechanics kind of just kind of flawlessly winged it here. Literally, like, in this yeah, case? It's, it, it, yeah, I didn't mean for that to be a pun. Wing, you know, it's a plane, whatever. But like nobody on the... Show. Planes yeah. have wings. Very good. <laughs> Thank the people you. Listen to now, uh, there was also no spare parts were sent. And when you're in a desolate island thousands of miles away from resupply, you might as well be in a different planet. So, right. uh, you know... If a, so, for people who, who don't know, that meant if a plane broke down, bearing some kind of mechanical wizardry, which some of these mechanics would be able to pull off. Yeah, like uh, they would be able to uh, uh, just make parts on the fly. Uh, Insane. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's wild. Uh, but yeah, outside of... Out of, like, out of what is my... I guess they have some shit lying around, but even so... Sometimes they cannibalized parts off the biplanes that and would just like force them to fit. <laughs> um, and also, for reasons we'll two, get to, two sets of wings on an F four because that's the only thing I know what to do. <laughs> stretching canvas over a broken piece of plane. Mm-hmm. Like I only know how to sew. I'm a biplane mechanic. <laughs> uh, and for reasons we'll get to, there were some spare F four parts lying around. Uh, but yeah, bearing some kind of wizardry, these these planes would stay broken. Also, right. like like we kind of pointed out that none of the pilots are familiar with these things at all, nor how to use them offensively. Um, it, all this would have to be figured out as they went. Making right. things worse because they always get worse. Yeah, they was sure do. Sta- say, yeah. say it, Joe. It got worse. <laughs> um, the communications were fucked. Um, for example, uh, we've already been talking about how they, they chipped out a ton of new fighting positions, trenches, command posts, whatever, in order to uh, fuse all these positions together into a central command area. They'd have to lay out command wires uh, to hook up to radios, right? Sure. All these were old, frayed, and barely worked. Uh, you effectively had to hotwire your radio to get it to work. And just like, I do not like that. I just no, it's hope. Not, it's not good. Uh, kind of like an aux port in like a shitty car from high school. You know, they wear out after a while. You just have to rotate it slowly until you're... Yeah, yeah, I'm familiar. Maybe that's just me showing my age. I don't know, but... Nope, I had a Volvo. I had a Volvo that... Uh, I mean, it was my baby, but it, it didn't cooperate often. Because it was a Volvo. I loved my Volvo. Don't speak ill of the dead. <laughs> now, Devro assumed that all of these wires would eventually be replaced. Uh, like, uh, the next supply ship's going to come in. We're going to get... Uh-huh. more rifles my, my we're gonna get sweet baby <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh um in the meantime he was drilling his men constantly that sounds bad even though <laughs> uh, he, he, yeah he just pegging and pegging and pegging, that, and pegging. He's, he's he's really riding them to the bone um even so he set up like a system of runners to because he was operating under the idea like well the radios aren't going to work we need runners right. um he was uh, just running them constantly, uh, like every time what at else night. Do, I guess is my question. Yeah, every time at night, he was like making them get to their battle stations and get ready to fight uh, with like within minutes until they had it down to a science. He would leave them for right. hours and then have them do it all over again. Like he was sure that some fucked up shit was going to happen. And to be fair, Devereaux was not given like advanced warning he just right. and also not to mention officers will make you do stupid shit when they're bored and there's time right it's the way of nature uh, he assumed that all these minor problems would be fixed they're not being enough 
machine guns, not being enough rifles, not being enough repair parts, not having like enough uh, uh, wires. Anything, right. But they didn't. Around really? 6.40 a.m. on December 8th, 1941. Uh-oh. The Army radio trailer at Wakes Airfield received an uncoded emergency message from Pearl Harbor, located east of the international date line. So it was Sunday, December 7th in, in Pearl Harbor that said, right. quote, SOS, Island of Oahu under attack by Japanese dive bombers. This is the real thing. Not wrong, I guess. Now, I'm not going to blame anybody for, for not looking at, at, at a map at the moment, though, Liam, I know you already did. But Oahu, yeah. where, which is, of course, one of the islands of Hawaii where Pearl Harbor is located, is behind Wake Island. Like, you have to bypass Wake right. Island to attack Oahu. Most people assumed, especially the Marine Station on the island, including Devereaux, that the war would start with an attack on the Philippines, followed by the, the attack on Wake. Nobody thought they would bypass Wake entirely and attack Pearl Harbor. Right. Taking on the entire goddamn Pacific fleet to do it. Right. Yeah. They also had no way to know that there were already Japanese subs sitting off of Wake and monitoring them. Mm. So as soon as Devereaux got the message from Pearl Harbor, he ordered everyone to their battle stations. An order that would be given via bugle, interestingly enough, uh, which the bugler was so nervous when he was told this was not a fucking drill that he completely botched the bugle uh, alert. So everybody's kind of stood around confused as well. What the fuck is it? What is that boy tooting at us? Like, <laughs> hey, boy! <laughs> why? Why are you? Why? Why is your tooting all fucked up? I'm very nervous. <laughs> Excuse it's me, sir. Out of my mouth and my ass. <laughs> Uh, really botched your big moment there, man. It's the one time oh, the bugler tough. is going to shine. But uh, everybody eventually got the point, and uh, they they went to their 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 battle positions, knowing for sure this is not a drill this time. Only a few hours after hitting Pearl, the Japanese bombers appeared over the sky at Wake. However, because they had no radar station, according to the Marines, they only had about fifteen seconds notice. <laughs> Oh, to rain down on the island. That's 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 not cool. I can't believe the I can't believe the Imperial Japanese Navy would do something that wasn't cool. Shocked, I tell you. No, noted party poopers, the Imperial <laughs> Japanese Navy. Not wrong, uh, really. Yeah. Um and, and obviously they have the guy on the water tower and like the guy in the water tower is like planes and everyone's like, Yeah, we could fucking see him, idiot. <laughs> we, we know Dave. <laughs> Get your ass down from there. <laughs> So yeah, this now some say that uh, they didn't know that these were Japanese planes, um, and, and that isn't like hearsay. According to one Marine, p- position the eastern end of Wake because you don't know what the hell's going on. Yeah, exactly, and it's not like you can tell. Um, right. This is an area called Peacock Point. He said, "Quote: I was standing on the top of my dugout talking to Colonel Hana when eighteen to nineteen planes uh, popped out of a hole in the clouds, and I said, What's coming in? I thought they were B-17s because they were uh, supposed to be coming in for the last few months, and then we would gas them, and then they would leave again. Suddenly, suddenly these bombs fell out, and the runner near me started shooting up at them, but we only got off about eighteen rounds, and then the planes were gone. So yeah, surprise, you're under attack." Okay, bye. <laughs> the first wave of bombs almost cut the aviation wing of the island in half, killing four of the, uh, the pilots, as well as uh, uh, totaling seven of the 12 planes. So, whoops. Because remember, they didn't have the bomb-proof shelters built yet. 
though purposefully the the Japanese did not bomb the airstrip itself because they, they wanted want, to use it. Yeah, they they thought they were going to pull up into this island pretty much without a fight, and then they'd immediately have to use the airstrip. In fact, uh-huh. and we like, will throw our civilian contractors at them and see how they like that. <laughs> <laughs> Like the Japanese thought this entire ordeal would take them uh, two, three hours. Now, after the first bombing run, Devereaux initiated his defensive plan. Such that it was. Yeah. Um, now, a small Navy supply ship was blown up and sank in the middle of the island's main channel to stop any large ships from entering. Civilians pulled construction equipment onto the airstrip to uh, to stop any yes. Japanese troop transports yes. from landing. Yes. If you're going to die, be a dick about it. Yes. And uh, they would like the Japanese or the Japanese, uh, the civilian contractors would also stay in these like uh, um, these construction, uh, uh, these construction vehicles because they would have to pull them out of the way for uh, American planes to take off. So like they a lot of them were like effectively gatekeeping the uh, the airstrip with themselves. That's outstanding defensive work, man. Now. There was also, they finally did get some rifles. So there's enough rifles to go around, but that's pretty much it. A lot of civilian contractors grabbed any weapons they could find and went to go join the Marine defenders, while others sure. formed an ad hoc supply system. What the hell to, else you do, right? Yeah, I mean, at, people had heard about the Japanese. Like the, the right. US and, the, and Japan had not been fighting each other, well, other than Pearl Harbor at this point. But there was no shortage of horror stories coming out of China. Like people right. knew, like, we, we're all fucking soldiers here, whether we we want to be or not. Right. Um, now, Devereaux legally could not tell these civilians to go grab a weapon. They were not actually part of his plan. Nothing that they did was. His plan was for them to all go fucking hide and wait for the shit to pass, if it did. Um, hence why all of these guys, uh, some of them were like former military. Most of them were not. So when they showed up to the line, they were like, uh, so how do I use this thing? Like holding so a rifle. Up? Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. so, like m- Marines who were then like, the Marines gave them about like five second class about a rifle or like, this right. is how you load ammo into a machine gun for me. Shoot, shoot and pew uh, pew's on. Good luck to you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like you, you, you set the bolt down. Now you're killing. Now you pull the bolt up. Now you're not killing. Good. All right. <laughs> Now, the poor bastards on Wake knew that Pearl Harbor had been attacked, but they had no idea how bad it was attacked. They were assuming that the U.S. Navy would come steaming right out to save them, and were now wondering how long they would have to hold off the Japanese before they would show up. A while. Sorry. It it, it (laughs) turns out several years uh, if you ended up in a POW camp. (laughs) We'll get there. We'll get there. Now, and they were mostly wondering, like, oh, the Navy will get here before the Japanese land uh, troops on, on wake. Like, that, that's how uh, out of it that these guys are. They have no idea. In the meantime, Devereaux recognized the reality of his situation. They were going to be fighting the entire Japanese invasion force alone. The Navy would not be coming to help them. But he also realized if he rolled out his big five-inch uh, anti-chip guns, uh, his coastal defense guns, to slug it out the Japanese Navy... The Navy, the Japanese Navy would end that fight pretty quickly uh, before the, they got close enough um, to, uh, for, the Na- for the Marine gunners to actually hit anything. Mm-hmm. So as the Japanese Navy under the command of Admiral uh, Kajioka, sure. sorry, dude, actually, I'm not. You're a member of the Japanese guy. Imperial Navy. Uh, appeared off the coast of Wake on December 11th. Devereaux gave orders for everybody to hold their fire, to not shoot at all. Uh, without explicit orders to open fire. 
now, this is because uh, the Japanese are kind of fucked up. Of all the planes they've been flying overhead, none of them were recon flights. Um, they were just bombing the islands. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they weren't noting down the marine defenses, nothing. So uh, they could kind of just hide in their, in their positions because the Japanese didn't actually know where their positions were. Now, as the Admiral and his flagship, the Ubari, led three light cruisers, six destroyers, and 450 soldiers in transports and an old, dis- and an old destroyer, like one of their tactics was going to be to beach this thing on wake and use it as a landing craft, which is very stupid um, and kind of interesting that this was going to be their tactic when they so overwhelmingly overpowered the defenders. They're still going to be crashing a ship into this fucking island. Um, But they had been given reports by the bombers that there'd been no activity on the island, which led the Admiral to believe they had surprised the defenders and not the fact they'd just been so well drilled they refused to leave their defensive position. I guess... (laughs) Yeah, like I don't like I, I I'd rather out. get bombed. I, than, yeah, I ain't coming out. I ain't coming out. I would rather get bombed than get yelled at by Devereaux again. <laughs> so I'm just going to stay in here. Honestly, I have no idea why they would have thought that uh, other than like the, the defenders hadn't shot at them and that there wasn't they, like there weren't Marines running around like a, like an anthill down there. However, while they had they had been shot at a little bit, uh, like their first passes did, they probably came like they the the shots are probably so far away it didn't matter. Uh, but they had no idea how many Marines were on the island, and they wouldn't have seen any moving it's around. David Friends. The defenders, <laughs> yeah, the defenders had been given explicit orders that forbade them from leaving their positions during daylight hours. They only came out at night, so the Japanese could not tell what was happening. Um, so the and the Japanese were only bombing during daylight hours, and they would not have seen them. They would all they would simply assume that since nobody was shooting at them, they uh, they must not know or uh, have the guts, or maybe they're waiting to surrender. Marines in their forward positions uh, demanded to be allowed to open fire, but each time Devro told them no. One man said, "Quote: What does that dumb little bastard want us to do? Let him run over us without spitting back." <laughs> I should point out that Devro was quite small. <laughs> like De- Devro was a little guy. Devro and these guys must have had balls of steel because they held their fire until the Japanese Navy was only four thousand yards away, which is pretty much point blank as far as like naval gunfire is uh, is right. concerned. And at that point, he o- he ordered his five-inch guns to open fire. And they did not fucking miss at that range. Within a few minutes, every single ship in the Japanese landing force was hit at least once. A destroyer was sank and killed 168 sailors, and the admiral was forced to order a Scoreboard, baby! <laughs> <laughs> Now, as the fleet retreated, the tiny surviving air wing of F4, uh, F4 Wildcats in the garrison took off. The whole, again, four whopping planes began dive-bombing the Japanese landing force and annihilating <laughs> it. Once again, nearly every ship was hit. The Kisaragi was sank, and the Admiral was nearly killed by a strafing run, which was supposed to be a quick assault on a tiny, worthless speck of island had now cost the uh, Japanese... 340 dead for the price of so far one dead Marine uh, who died heroically with both middle figures in the air. It's a shame he couldn't fire back, <laughs> but this small nondescript hunk of coral defended by a bunch of bored Marines and civilians had given the U S effectively the first victory of world war two. 
Now, like, and the word got back, of course, to the mainland, uh, like where yeah, the U.S. ran headlines. Did work? <laughs> well, okay, like, just, where, uh, it's just one marine with like a note clenched be- between his teeth, doggy paddling back towards California. <laughs> I'll get there eventually. God damn it! <laughs> uh, they like newspapers in the U.S. Uh, kept headlines or read headlines saying Marines kept awake. Uh, and they compared their heroic last stand to, uh, uh, or the heroic stand at Wake Island to the Alamo, which I really oh, don't think the guys no, on the island wanted no, to hear that comparison. No, if I'm going to be honest, no. <laughs> like there's there's also the saying that like uh, Devereaux said something about surrendering, um, and uh, when he was asked about it, he's like, "I never said that, but that sounds really good. Keep it in." Uh, ima- imagine you're at this position where you still fully believe the U.S. Navy is coming to save you, and people are comparing you to the Alamo. You're like, oh shit! Oh, no. I've seen this movie, <laughs> and I don't like how it ends. <laughs> I-, I know how the story ends, and it's not happy. However, um, as the guys in the island celebrated, everybody knew that the Japanese were coming back. But it's not like they could rely on their crack radar station to tell them when because they didn't have one. So the men staying at their posts, sleeping only for a few minutes here and there as the Japanese Navy shelled and bombed them around the clock for two fucking weeks. The only free time from the bombing was spent rushing around in the bunkers to repair anything that may have been blown up a little bit too bad and then running back uh, into shelter. Jesus fucking Christ. What's interesting is you know who else took shelter? The rats. Oh, no. The huge rat population of this tiny island took cover in the same bunkers as the men, and were at, like because they were constantly getting fucking rattled, and like. So I assume the Marines taught them uh, how to hold knives to their tiny little rat claws and go get the Japanese. <laughs> Congratulations, tiny brother! You're now in the Marine Corps. I mean, I, I imagine trapped in this coral bunker because everything's built out of like cement and coral. There's a bunch of rats uh, chanting one, two, three, four United States <laughs> Marine Corps as they try to claw a bunch of Imperial Japanese Navy's dudes to death with their tiny claws. I cannot imagine like the case of like creeping dread that was, that was on everybody. Oh, also, um, one of the guys uh, pointed out that they were being they're so like hit around the clock with naval gunfire. It caused the entire island to shake constantly without end um and it gave them all diarrhea like it, it, it shook their insides until they were just shitting water mm. uh that probably also had something to do with like intense anxiety right. uh there were so many air bursting shells exploding above the island that it killed the entire bird population oh, we had already made it a sanctuary <laughs> that's right <laughs> and like as someone noted that the entire four mile stretch of island was just coded a dead birds. fuck you dicks <laughs> like how do we make this words uh blanket of dead birds perfect <laughs> the defenders of the island uh, pretty much uh slipped into like a catatonic state devro said quote the days blurred together in a dreary sameness of bombing and endless work and always that aching need for sleep i have seen men standing with their eyes open staring out at nothing and they did not hear me when i spoke to them like everybody's just going nuts from yeah, shell shock. Going nuts too man like i'm a bitch it's dude a, it, i would be losing it and not to mention they're not sleeping like right. the, 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 they're they're under siege like they're there's everything is so loud and being so obliterated by gunfire they cannot sleep so like people are just losing their shit if not from gunfire from lack of like if for anybody who hasn't stayed up more than like a day or two. The human it. body is not supposed to do that. No. Yeah, I think the longest I stayed up with three days, yeah. and it was 
I was a fucking yep. mess, yep. dude. Been there. I was hallucinating, yep. been there. Uh, you, you name it. The only defense at this stage came from their anti-aircraft guns and their tiny air wing, which was still operating somewhat. Devereaux ordered the AA guns it's, to it's be hard, moved. It's hard every- to fly planes with balls that big. We should clarify. And, and also not sleeping at all. Yeah, but also like- <laughs> the balls. Talk about the balls, Joe. I don't want to talk about the balls. Uh, I don't want to talk about the rats, but here we are, motherfucker. Sometimes you got to talk about rat balls. Ew. Now, Devereaux gave strict orders that every single night their AA guns would be moved so the Japanese cannot zero in on them. And yeah, I see what I did there. Again, did not do that on purpose, but I wish I did. And the four uh, wild cats were being bolted back together from anything the mechanics could find because they were getting like punctured with, with gunfire as well. Right, of course. At one point, the mechanics pulled replacement parts from a burning plane before it exploded out of something like an action movie. Wow. Though it didn't matter how hard they tried, by the end of the month, all of the fighters were out of commission. There wasn't enough replacement parts for any of them. And it was a minor miracle they even lasted that long. And at that point, all of the, the pilots shrugged, took off their pilot clothes, put on like their Marine fati- Navy fatigues, and went off into the trench lines where they were now soldiers. So they're not soldiers, they're Marines. Uh, technically, they're semen pilots, whatever. Us, Joe. Be mad. <laughs> uh, the last four Wildcats had managed to kill literally hundreds of Japanese attackers, sinking a destroyer and a submarine who fucked up and sur- surfaced just a little bit too close to Wamp. wake. There's also a small rescue attempt by the U.S. Navy known as Task Force 14, which was supported by the USS Enterprise. <laughs> That's how you know it's good. While all of this is going on, the invasion force is being reinforced. Uh, Japan sent heavy cruisers, two more destroyers, two mine layers, and one seaplane tender, and the aircraft carriers Soryu and Hiryu, which had just gotten done bombing Pearl Harbor. They also received 1,600 additional troops because they started to realize that this shit was getting a little bit spicier than they planned. When Navy intelligence heard of this massive flex of ship towards Wake Island uh, by the Japanese, the, re- the Relief Task Force 14 was called off. Because they originally were planning on, if we have to fight the, fo- the force off of Wake Island, we can do it. But now we can't fight off this bigger one. Now, what's interesting is everybody aboard Task Force 14 knew what these orders meant. You were, they were leaving Wake Island to die. Um, and it barely nearly led to a mutiny. Like one of the closest times that a, Navy, a U.S. Navy ship during World War II almost said, fuck you and did its own thing. Um, but at the last second, it turned around. This actually led Tokyo Rose, the famed English language propagandist in Tokyo, in one of her broadcasts, say, quote, Where, oh, where is the United States Navy? A broadcast which could be heard by the men on Wake Island on radio. Now, the Japanese uh, command had previously learned they didn't really want to fuck up uh, and, and end up toe-to-toe with the, the Marine shore batteries again. So the next attempt, uh, next attempted landing would target the South Shore, where the combined uh, uh, Marine, sailors, civilians, pilots held a four-mile-long uh, uh, line. Like they're, they're, they're not, they're not going to fuck with the, the defensive cannons anymore. The only reserve that Devereaux had was eight whole guys in a pickup truck. Uh, now, what's interesting is in this pickup truck, a machine gun was bolted onto the Hell back. Yeah. So the Marines had a technical. A technical. Yeah. <laughs> the Marines had a technical. I, I hate to say it, but one, two, three, four, United States Marine Corps. They, they are geniuses in their own little way. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, a lot of the construction workers had previously stayed out of the fighting reported to Devereaux's uh, outpost to volunteer for duty. Devereaux told them the Japanese would almost certainly kill them all if they fought, uh, and they volunteer anyway. 
I'm going to kill them all anyway. Fuck it. Who gives a shit? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you might as well shoot back. They're going to kill you. Again, uh, it's the wisest thing, Shane Davidson, if you're listening, uh, that my friend Shane Davidson ever said, which is that if you're going to die, you might as well be a dick about it. Yeah, you might as well go down the most amount of spite possible. That's a line led by Donkey's Promise. At <laughs> <laughs> uh, 2 a.m. on December 23rd, the Japanese made their second landing attempt, outnumbering the defenders three to one, because this time they were not leaving anything up for chance. <laughs> It did not take long for the pure weight of this Japanese landing force of over 2,000 men. That seems unnecessary. I mean, where are you going to fit 2,000 people on Wake Island? Like, it is is four miles of coral. The dead bird pile. (laughs) Everywhere you're stepping, you hear the crunching sounds of birds. Um, And, like, the defenders held the best they could, but the civilians, marines, and sailors refused to retreat. they were holding their lines until everything devolved into hand-to-hand chaos, bayonets, rocks. Like at one point, a construction <laughs> worker upended a shovel and began beheading yeah. Japanese soldiers with a sharpened edge. I mean, that's that's a war crime, but yeah, it's not a war crime. Uh, they were attacking tired. him. It, it's self-defense. Um, it's the South Park rules of he's coming right for us. He's like brain him with a shovel. Uh, According to actually one Japanese soldier, he said, quote, the Americans are blazing away with a machine gun from the hip as they do in American gangster films, (laughs) (laughs) which is dudes rock. (laughs) A Marine named Rolf Wolinski and two civilians, Paul, Paul Gay and Bob Bryan, God, these names are interesting, um, <laughs> sat in a foxhole and spammed grenades at the Japanese soldiers as they rushed around them like it was Battlefield 1942 and you were loading off of a box or whatever. Mm-hmm. They killed at least 30 of them. Another civilian, John Sorensen, tackled a Japanese soldier and began strangling him and biting him on the face. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> When he got oh done killing God. that guy, he took <laughs> off at a dead sprint, unarmed at the Japanese, braining several worth rocks before he was shot dead. <laughs> like just civilian air, uh, like airport worker, turned into fucking Wolverine at the drop of a hat. <laughs> what, what are you supposed to do with that? That guy can missed imagine, his calling in life. Can you imagine being a Japanese conscript too, and just like seeing your buddy just get absolutely rocked? By just a guy wearing like an airport service uniform, <laughs> uh, like t- telling your lieutenant, like we're retreating. Oh, is it the Marines? No, it's the construction workers. <laughs> oh my god, they're coming out of the trees. <laughs> At another point, a Japanese soldier and a Marine stabbed each other simultaneously with bayonets, killing each other and falling to the earth, locking them in place like those dinosaurs, like everybody has yeah. heard about, like the. <laughs> Despite each pocket of defenders holding on, none of them could support one another due to this being so badly outnumbered. Devereaux lost contact with everyone pretty quickly due to the previously mentioned shitty radio lines. Uh, and he found himself shooting at oncoming soldiers with his sidearm from his command post. Like I talked about the pilots before, they were like on the line braining people with like crescent shovels, wrenches and Tommy guns and shit. And shit. Yeah. Now, uh, the commander, Cunningham, cabled Hawaii with probably the biggest understatement of the American war so far. Quote, enemy on island, issue in doubt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, as Japanese soldiers and NCOs carried flags with them at the time so their commander could see where they were, like people could actually see like an encroaching line of Japanese rising sun flags coming towards their position as men all around them were fighting to the death with everything they could get their hands on. Now, Cunningham did see the situation was completely futile. Like, we have lost. And he hoped to save as many of his men's life as he could. He told Devereaux, quote, well... I guess we better give it to them. And he ordered Devereaux to order his men to surrender. When Devereaux went towards his men and told them to surrender, like he went under a white flag to go to uh, his, their, their positions. He uh, told them that like the commander Cunningham has told us to, to surrender. And it led to men screaming at him and like saying that they were going to refuse. And Devereaux had to counter with, shut the fuck up. It is not my order. <laughs> art like are you like absolutely arguing with his own men about uh taking the order because i mean some of it was like inner service rivalry right like the guy giving the command was navy and well yeah the marines are in the navy but he wasn't a marine he was in Devereux. so he's like fuck the navy we'll keep fighting <laughs> like Devereux's like oh that's not such a good idea um, you come out here and make me take this. You come out here and take the shovel. <laughs> yeah. You could take this rock from my cold, dead hands. It's like Devereux's like, well, the Japanese are planning on it. Um, you know, it, in the end, the defenders of Wake Island lost 49 Marines, three Navy personnel, and 70 civilians. The Japanese lost around 400 dead, but also two ships and a goddamn submarine. Uh, they're also not sure how many planes they downed, but they, they, they fucked up a good, a good couple of planes as well. There were so few Marines on the island that when they surrendered, the Japanese commander refused to accept that this was everybody and demanded that the men hidden somewhere on this island where there's nowhere to hide turn themselves over. Oh, yeah. He, that's, just, that's just John. He's in the bird pile. <laughs> <laughs> oh, only to be told by Devra, like, no, this is, this is everything we got, man. Uh, you, maybe you just suck at war. Yeah, maybe maybe you just are really unhappy. You got brained by like the local construction construction workers union. Yeah, you bad, you bad, you messed with shovel Pete. <laughs> <laughs> now, only uh, a few civilians were kept on Wake Island as labor. With the rest of the defenders being, I think it's like ninety something uh, civilians were kept on there for labor. As the rest of the defenders were loaded onto prison ships en route to a POW camp. Now, as they set off, five Marines of the garrison were chosen at random and beheaded uh, in, in revenge for putting up such a fire. Yeah. Uh, like they, one of the pilots, like they wanted to get their hands on the pilots as well. Uh, but the pilots had changed into Marine uniform and they were like kind of in hiding. Um, all of the laborers kept on Wake Island were eventually executed in 1943. Uh, and we actually only know about this uh, because one of them escaped. Um, like got to a part in Wake Island and scratched the number of the number of POWs executed like ninety three POWs uh, on, on the date, and then that man also was eventually found and executed because where are you going to hide in Wake Island? Um, now uh, after the fall uh, of the island to the Japanese, the U.S. Navy pretty quickly just ignored it. Uh, they strangled it off with the submarine based blockade, and because there's no food on the island, it quickly turned to a pit of starvation and human misery for the garrison of, uh, of, of Japanese forces. By the time that the island finally surrendered at the end of the war without a fight, 
pretty much all of the vegetation had been stripped bare and uh the like the the japanese garrison had almost eaten all of the rats on the island like they uh, they almost yeah i mean they would have had birds to eat but they killed them already um now the wake island is still part of the united states today um it is a a tiny little air station i think they use it for testing or something um and the japanese garrison commanders that were in charge of 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 the invasion and then the garrisoning of wake island were all captured and executed in guam in 1947 for the execution of, of american pow's and the civilians but uh, yeah, that's the story of the United States' first kind of sort of victory in World War II. Again, hard to it is sort of hard to 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 uh, shoot two machine guns from the hip like a scene out of Terminator with balls that big. Yeah, uh, like uh, gangsta like uh, when the Japanese attackers like they're coming as like guy like action movie stars from gangster films. Like you've done something simultaneously wrong and right, uh, and it and it fucking rules. Um, now uh, I'll I'll leave it up to the listeners to where where they place this on uh, on our growing list of of island invasion episodes. I still think Taro is the worst until we have, of course get to Iwo Jima and Okinawa, but we haven't done yeah. that yet, or Saipan for that matter. Um, now Liam, we do a thing called Question from Legion on this show. If you'd like to ask us a question from Legion, donate to the show, even a dollar, um, and you can ask us through our Discord. Um, you can ask us through Patreon, or failing that, you can. Write a letter, put it in between the teeth of a marine, uh, between the teeth of, uh, <laughs> of 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 a marine, and make him swim to Philadelphia and deliver the letter to, uh, or he'll, he'll give him a, a large rucksack and a uh, sizable supply of water, and make him hike over the the Caucasus Mountains and find me, and we will answer it on the show. Um, uh, today's question comes from the Discord. Um, w- what it was your worst pet or the worst pet you've known that a weirdo keeps? insists that all of the animals are perfect okay so i oh man i don't really know i haven't had any bad pet. all of my pets have been normal i've loved each uh i had a cat when i was a kid named lucrezia borgia after the murderess. <laughs> uh she lived in the basement she was a black and white per- uh, persian cat and i loved her very much uh i have loved all of my cats uh i'm actually going to turn this question on its head and uh, talk about how much I love my cat, Toby. Uh, okay. Because uh, so I have a cat named Toby. He lives at my parents' house. He's 12. He is the fattest, dumbest, orangest cat in the universe. Uh, Sounds he, lovely. He is incredibly stupid. Sometimes he forget where his food is. Uh, he, he wanders around in circles, meowing at nothing. Uh, I love him more than life itself. Uh, I will say. Cats are, cats are just weird little guys. I I love Toby. I love that my parents took him to the vet because they were worried about him, and the vet told him, "No, uh, no, it's okay for male orange cats to be stupid and happy. That's what they do." I love <laughs> I love to- Toby. The, criti- I, the, the I, clinical diagnosis of your cat is like, no, he's just dumb. Yeah, I told my mom, and I and I believe this with my whole heart. Uh, I can prepare for her death a lot more than I can prepare for Toby's. And uh, I will not be. I will be more upset when Toby dies than when either of my parents die. <laughs> Good God! I mean, I kind of understand. Um, I love Toby. Since we're we're spinning this question ahead, like everybody knows, I have a dog named Laika, and I love her very much. Uh, she's not in Armenia yet. Uh, she will be here soon because in order to transport dogs internationally, you have to get rabies titer tests and boosters, and they take mm-hmm. months to get done correctly. So thankfully, she will be here soon. 
And I miss her dearly. I miss her more than just about anybody else that I left behind in the United States. So uh, I I adopted her in Texas when I was living there, when I was uh, just out of the army. I was going through a lot and I wanted a dog. Um, And she had been abandoned three different times um, before I adopted her. And she was not even a year old yet. I don't know why. Um, She's the most affectionate fucking dog I've ever owned in my life. She's attached to my hip like Velcro. um, And like will never let me be in a room alone by myself to include the bathroom, no matter how much I don't want her to hang out in the bathroom. Like a toddler. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So yeah. uh, like, And uh, (laughs) every time I bring her to the vet, it's like uh, your drunk friend who you're telling like, bro, it's going to be fine. You don't need to fight them. Like they're not trying to fight you, but like is ready to fight the vet. It's, it's amazing. Um, I apologize to any of the vets or vet techs who have had to take care of Leica during this time. (laughs) Sorry about it. Um, yeah, sorry. Um, but yeah, we we're 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 big dumb softy boys, and we love our animal children. Um, uh, Liam, thank you for joining me today. Uh, it's, it's it's always fun to talk about uh, island based misery. Um, everybody, thank you for listening. Uh, if 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 you like our show, consider supporting it on Patreon. You get all sorts of bonus stuff now. Uh, the bonus catalog is four years thick. long at this point. It's thick. Uh, we have two bonus series. We have the history of Rome, or sorry, the Rome cast, uh, where we <laughs> definitely not the history of Rome. Uh, <laughs> we watch HBO's Rome and make fun of it and do not talk about HBO's Rome. And I also have the history of Armenia, where I uh, put on my best NPR voice and attempt to teach people about the history of my uh, uh, lovely adopted homeland. Um, and occasionally there's like interviews with other Armenians about uh, uh ongoing events because our political atmosphere is deeply strange here sometimes. Uh, so, you know, uh, maybe donate to the show and uh, get access to that stuff or don't leave us a review. Uh, oh, reviews are nice. Give us your uh, money. I, I keep getting email alerts that people are leaving us five star reviews and it's really nice because otherwise we, we, we don't know what you think of what we do here. So leave us a review, donate to the show. Liam, plug your shit. Uh, ten thousand losses. See you. Screw it. Well, there's your problem. Yay. Uh, also buy my books. Um, nice books. And uh, until next time, don't invade Wake Island. <laughs>